Welcome to Leader to Leader with Pastor John Bailey. I am so glad that you joined us today. Uh, we uh, have a podcast here that is to help pastors engage and lead and uh, just do it with the spirit and the heart of God and good discernments. And today we are so welcome to have Evan Wilkerson with us. Evan, Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, most of you probably know from his last name, uh, Evan is the grandson of David Wilkerson as well. Uh, you're the son of Gary Wilkerson, so you have quite a lineage there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ever feel the pressure of that or no? Not too much, not yeah. too much. My dad's done a really good job of helping me not feel so much pressure while still leading me in the right direction, so I think he's done a great job of that. Well, I tell you what, I'm privileged to work alongside you. If you're uh, watching in today, Evan, uh, he he uh, works with our Next Gen Ministry, he helps to lead that, and God is just using you in powerful ways. And listen, today's discussion is going to be how to disciple young people in a woke generation. Mm-hmm. And this is the this is the challenge of our times. Uh, right now, we are living in an age that we cannot, as pastors and leaders, we cannot just be satisfied to sit in the church with you know me and you know all. All the people that's been in church all of our life, we really have to engage the culture in a way that's meaningful. Mm. And so today's discussion, I really want to hone in on uh, the young people that are in our life. And by the time we get them from birth to 18 in our ministries as pastors and leaders, and you may be today a youth pastor, young adult, or, or just a leader in your church, but we all play a part in this battle of confronting the culture and speaking God's word in a way that's powerful and effective. And so uh, it's really important that we have a culture in the church that confronts these things. It takes everybody to to really be a part uh, in the body of Christ. And so um, so as we focus on this, uh, Evan, I know a little bit of your story. So you were raised in church, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you have a great uh, legacy, but yet in your younger teenage years, uh, you had a falling away. And, you know, I've, I find this in the church that sometimes if we don't, if we're not careful to own our issues and we just act like they're not issues, then we can never really solve the problem. And here here at church, this is church-wide in, in America, and depending on the study, 80 to 90 percent of young people that get to 19 years old walk away from the church. Mm-hmm. Well, you were one of those yeah. that came to that place and you were like, hey, this is not for me. So what were some contributing factors in your life that like, hey, you're in a church, your dad is a great pastor and leader, and yet you find yourself straying from the faith. Can you maybe help to give us a little bit of insight and what were some of those factors that that played in your own life? Yeah, I thought a lot about it because I get this question a lot. And, Mm -hmm. you know, as I'm preparing my testimony or just thinking back on what God has delivered me from, Mm -hmm. I think a lot about what happened to me. And I noticed once I got into middle school, which can be a really hard time (laughs) for a lot of people, um, you're changing, you're trying to find your identity, you're not really sure who you are, and you're trying to fit in. Mm -hmm. Those were immense pressures on me as well. And I realize now how much I cast a vote on a a stranger or somebody that I liked or admired. And these people that I admired who were, you know, let's be honest, just terrible influences. (laughs) They're drinking, smoking, and going to parties all the time. Um, 
those were the people that I admired. Those were the people that I wanted to fit in with. And so I think just in, in general, if I can just say, you know, be careful of who you're admiring, you know, at a yeah. young age, it's important for all of us to to realize that and people that we're raising up. So that's, that's just a side note. But um, as I was following that track, I, I started getting into drugs. I started drinking and um, getting mixed up in that phase at that time where my identity wasn't sure yet and I was trying to figure it out. And then now I'm leaning on pills and now I'm leaning on marijuana and, and drinking all the time uh, to help secure me or satisfy me or mm-hmm. or be what I was looking for. Uh, that was a really dangerous time to be mixed up in that and um, so all of my hope was going to drugs and alcohol to satisfy what I was looking for. Uh, and then it just spun out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I've shared that, um, you know, at many churches, just uh, how wild and crazy I was. And and uh, actually recently the Lord just showed me in, in a time of prayer mm-hmm. how much he— he really did for me. I mean, we all we all say that, and sometimes words just fall short. But it was like I was protecting my darkness, my my yeah. alcohol, my drugs, every everything uh, that I could get my hands on to to satisfy emptiness. I was fighting for that. The Lord would chase mm-hmm. me down. You know, I would even sense His presence sometimes walking into a church service and and feeling so overwhelmed by the presence of God mm-hmm. and my reaction was to escape and and head for the hills because I didn't want God at that time, even though he was so like closing in on me, he was inescapable. So I just see now that I was even fighting for the darkness. I was fighting to protect it. And the Lord just uh, reached in, snatched me out of that. It's um, you know, it's biblical terms, but it's it's the truth, you know, <laughs> that by his grace, he just snatched me out of the darkness and brought me into his marvelous light. Praise and so um, just his sheer grace, the, yeah. the, the fact that I was running for him and he chased me down. And um, so now here I am at World Challenge and, and ministering to young adults and middle schoolers and high schoolers. And uh, I get to meet them where they're at, where they're still in that place. Yeah. They're now just some of them are entering into that exact same story that I had. And I get to say, hey, it's it's not as glamorous as you think it is. Yep. It's, it's false promises. It's empty. There's lies. And if you fall for it, you're going to fall hard and it's very painful. But um, the Lord is merciful. He's gracious to uh, restore us and, and run after us like the, the prodigal son and, uh, and bring us back into his kingdom. Wow. That's awesome. And hey, I think we can all agree we need the grace of God. But I want to go to this issue because as you know, hearing your testimony is is you're not is not you're not the only one. There's right. right now there's a lot of young people in churches that are going through the same stages. And you know, you talked about wanting to fit in with certain people or crowds. And right now, you know, it's worse than when you were younger. Yeah. We have sports heroes and uh Hollywood heroes and music heroes and it seems like our culture gravitates to get the attention of of young people, and it's that glittery thing that people, you know, search out at a young age, mm-hmm. and they may not have the wisdom to know, hey, I really need to seek the good things. But this is at the core of it. I think that the core of the issue is that we're not making disciples. Unfortunately, in the church, and if you're a pastor or leader, we just have to own this. Unfortunately, in the church, we, we get, you know, young people when they're, you know, new— 
and then we have them for 18 years. And what are we doing? They, uh, many of them come in week after week, uh, children's church, middle school, senior high. And if all we do is pizza parties, go to youth camp once a year, uh, you know, get, get a touch from God, uh, come, come back, do a pizza party. I, I'm just saying I think we're missing something in that. And so today I want us to really talk about how do we make disciples? How do we take those years of Sundays and Wednesdays or the time times that we have them and, and really make a meaningful impact. So a young person at your age that may be looking at all the glitter, how do we get them mm. to see that the real gold is Jesus, mm. that the real power is in God? Mm. And so that comes through discipleship. So we're going to hone a little bit on apologetics um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think that this woke generation is looking for answers. And a lot of times that comes through apologetics or answering the questions of the generation. I think for for so long in the church, we've just given people answers, but we haven't really allowed them to ask the questions and answer the questions of a generation. The church should be about answering the questions that this generation has. So maybe we just start off here and go, first of all, what's apologetics? Why is it important? And maybe give us a name or two of somebody that you think is really good with apologetics. And let me just add, um, along with yourself, because you do a great job of teaching apologetics here. If you're watching uh, online, just want to tell you, uh, go on to worldchallenge.org, uh, go on to Evan's pages, and there's some great help to be able to do discipleship and answer the questions through apologetics. Thanks, John. Yeah, uh, apologetics can have a bad reputation because mm-hmm. people can see it. People within the church can see it as uh, those are the people who like to argue, uh, can tend to be <laughs> a little bit um, arrogant, you know, yep. because they've studied so much, and so they think they have the answers. And and so there is a, a reputation problem with apologetics. Yep. And yeah, the but church, can I stop but, you there real yeah. quick and go, hey, in Jude it says. You know, this is, you know, the writer saying to Jude, contend for the generation, yeah. contend for the faith. And so mm-hmm. we can look at uh, it's boring or they're arguing, but this is the point. It's confronting the questions of the generation. So, hey, you can say whatever you want to, but when you're answering some of those deep questions that young people are looking for that are being asked um, in the culture that we live in, that's just confronting the issues. Yeah, and I think our culture is just moving more and more away from God and having deeper questions and more objections. Mm-hmm. And so, um, fortunately, I think a lot of the church is catching on that there is a place for apologetics, and it's actually just another branch of theology. It's not its own thing. It's not unbiblical. It's, it's born out of the Bible, and it's just another branch of theology that— mm-hmm is more and more on demand right now in this time because of what the church is face, facing. And like you said, uh, 80 to 90% of teenagers leaving the faith. And so and so, why is that? But to make, uh, make it simple, apologetics comes from the Greek word apologia found in 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, always be ready to make a defense or to give an answer. Mm-hmm. That Greek is apologia. And so you're uh, preparing for a defense for somebody who asks you the reason that you have and the reason for the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So what is that reason? What 
What is that hope? That doesn't mean that we have all of the answers. It doesn't mean that we try to know everything. In fact, that's a bad impression if we pretend mm -hmm. to know everything when we don't. But what you do know and what you do believe in, be prepared to give an answer to somebody who asks you, what's the reason for the hope that you have in, in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So this is a biblical this, mandate. This generation has, has a lot of questions. Yeah. They and we can't just do. stuff it in the corner or put it on the rug. We need to be able to answer those questions. Exactly. I think that's part of the reason why we see so many leaving the church is they're having questions. They're not being answered in, in a satisfying way. And so uh, to awaken this this old apologetics, mm -hmm. this old practice of, of the Bible is is really important. Everybody's called to be mm -hmm. an apologist. Everybody's called to give a ready defense. It says for anybody who's um, who reveres Christ and sees him as holy, those are the yep. people who are called to give a ready defense. So so that's what apologetics is about. And, and so I've been practicing it now for Maybe maybe ten years, but uh, the thing to to remember is not to get tripped up on how much better somebody else is sure. at it, but just work at it daily. And when you see questions that come up that you don't know, you can you, you say that's a great question. Let me get back to you. I don't know it, or here's a great resource that mm -hmm. go go ask this person. But it is important to be aware of what. What are the questions that the generation is asking? Because it's something very valuable to them. And if we don't, if we're not authentic about it, if we're not at least trying to to meet them where they're at with those questions, then I think we've already lost them. Yeah. Well, and this is the the great great word there. So this is going to kind of trans, you know, be a little bit of a bridge to get to our next um, thought, and and it's this is how can we as pastors and leaders, how can we cultivate our life and ministry and church to be able to engage with these questions? And I want to start off, like for those of you that may be watching, so, I, you know, which you're familiar with, pastored a large and thriving church. And it's easy when we, we you know, pastor churches to kind of have the whips and the quips and the, you know, um, and, and just uh, give, give me a hallelujah, you know, yeah. kind of a thing on a, on a Sunday morning. Uh, but it, it has, you know, our preaching has to be more than that. And so one of the things that I try to integrate into my message is take some of those deeper theological questions, some of those um, even apologetic issues, and being able to, to frame it in a way that the congregation could hear some of those questions that the generation is asking. Mm. And I think just to preach to the, the choir or the church and, you know, the people that's been there for years and they've been Christians for 50 years and, you know, and to only speak to that without speaking to the young people that are there that have questions, I think that we miss an opportunity as mm. pastors and leaders. So, th so that's one way that we can cultivate a church or a ministry, whether you're a pastor or a young adult leader or youth pastor or children's worker or just a, a person in the church that just wants to be a part of the kingdom. So what are some other things that we can do to help cultivate ourselves and our ministries to be able to engage with the culture that we live in? Yeah, great question. I think if we're going to help the next generation mm -hmm. love the truth and love the church, love the people of God, love 
love strangers, then uh, then we need to make that a practice in our own lives. And of mm-hmm. course, if you know, if you're a pastor, you're a leader, you love the Word of God, you love you love people, but maybe there's some practices that you can do to translate that better, or mm-hmm. with a mythology, or, or not a mythology, but a method to help it be um, more practical for for students in, in your church. And so, um, I I started here at World Challenge, going to different local youth groups and giving an apologetic lesson. Mm-hmm. And when I say a apologetic lesson, I, I mean um, answering a question that I know that the youth groups are are asking. And and you can you can research what are the questions of a generation right now pretty easily. And, you know, Barna has tons of information. They do um, thousands of interviews to see what questions are on teenagers' hearts. And so I would take some of those questions, um, like, why does God allow evil? Um, Was Jesus a real historic person? Um, Was the Bible reliable? How can we trust the New Testament manuscripts? So these are actual questions that teenagers, even middle schoolers, I mean, honestly, a lot of the toughest questions would come from middle schoolers, which was really surprising to me. So I would prepare a lesson Mm -hmm. based on what I've been learning at school or, um, uh, again, what you find from other Christian apologists, a lot of great renowned Christian apologists who've done the work, who have who have done the heavy lifting and, yeah. and made it available for pastors and leaders to just easily pull from, reformat into a sermon, 20 minutes, you know, or a quick lesson. And then here's the crucial part, I think, opening up for Q&A. So yeah. you, you teach on how we know Jesus really rose from the dead. Then you open up for Q&A and they might ask you questions to follow up on how we really know or something that didn't make sense, but then they're going. What what you find is that if it's a safe environment where they they feel like they can safely ask you mm-hmm. their question without feeling judged or um, uh, ashamed to to have that doubt, to have that question, then the questions just start flying. There there's a real engagement amongst all the students and then at one at some point all the students want to ask a question all of them can't wait to raise their hand and say now it's my turn this is something that i've been struggling with and um so students have come up to me and saying thanks for that discussion thanks for pointing me in the right direction i've been dealing with this doubt i've had this question uh for months now and i i didn't really think there was an answer now i know that it's not as daunting as I thought it was. So that might be one, at least one helpful way to get the ball rolling in the right direction where you're uh, hearing the questions of, of a generation. And, and, you know, this might be more uh, working with your youth pastor, or youth leaders, uh, setting up a system, a plan uh, to help apologetics, so to speak, be, be a part of the church and answering those questions that youth have in your church. Man, that that is so good, Evan. And just you know, you know, when I was younger, I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but we've probably all been to churches like this that are like, God said it, I believe it, that settles right. it. Yeah. And you're like, well, okay, listen, <laughs> I, I believe that God yeah. did say it, sure, and we should believe it, and that does settle it. However, uh, being able to ask questions that can help people discover, hey, what what is what is the character of God? What is God trying to achieve? So when God says that, you know, marriage is between a man or a woman, why is that important? And, you know, being able to 
answer those questions to this generation are extremely important. And there are a plethora of things that young people are just being bombarded. So I want to, I want to like dovetail this into the next question. And it's this. So we know social media is rampant with everything to turn people away from God or faith. It, it's just, I mean, all you have to do is just, you only have to search for it. You just turn, turn your phone or computer on and it's there. And so we have 12, 13, 14 year olds that are exposed to a whole lot of information out there. So if you're a parent or a leader or a pastor and you're going, how do we, how do we measure this out? So do you, so, so do we go to parents and go, Hey, just, you know, make sure that you, uh, control what they're listening to. And I will, I'll, I'll answer this part a little bit. I do think that there is a certain age that you should just go, Hey, don't go there. Keep some accountability of what they're listening yeah. to. But you can't do that forever. Mm -hmm. At some point, they're going to get old enough. And unfortunately, in the church, what we've done is we've waited till they're 19, 20, 21 years old. And then they turn on and start these <laughs> yeah. get bombarded with these questions that they don't have answers for. Mm -hmm. And it's overwhelming. So how, what is the process that we go? Do we you know, just asking the question? Do we go, hey, we know at some point in this age, let them understand what the questions are, what the attacks on the church are, what the attacks on God's word is, but then we have them in an environment that we can be able to get, begin to speak God's word, help them to understand truth. So then they they learn to combat those influences. And that's man that's youth pastors, that is senior pastors, that is parents. Like this mm -hmm. is an engagement yeah. that the church has to make to be able to answer those questions because if you wait and you just let other people outside the four walls of your house or your church yeah. answer those questions, now you're going to have kids that are, you know, young people that are just set up uh, for spiritual failure. Mm -hmm. So how do you engage with it? Is there maybe some advice that you can give to pastors or parents of how to engage your uh, students to be able to help them to grow and and learn to be able to answer those questions? Yeah, I think you touched on it a little bit. You you um, mentioned uh, not, not sheltering them because mm -hmm. eventually they're going to be exposed to those ideas. And when you look at some of the reasons why people left the church, it, it has to do with— um, not having answers for for college when they meet their atheist professor or when they when they're surrounded by college students who are challenging their faith. So mm -hmm. why not challenge their faith like in a safe environment when a place where they can be protected and still be exposed to the ideas that they're inevitably going to face. That right. that's a fact. They they're already facing these ideas on social media, you know, they're on their screens all the time of so the volume of information that's coming in and what to do with right. that information. So why not utilize the, I mean, the time you, that they're in the if church? If you don't answer the question, somebody's going somebody's to. going to answer that right? question for them. And that's what they've attested to in all these surveys mm -hmm. that, that um, I had uh, intellectual questions that weren't satisfied in the church. And, and so somebody else answered them for me. So um, when we have them, uh, when you know they're in middle school and high school and they're they're at our church, I think it's uh, really important, crucial to create a, a lesson plan, a um, um, kind of like an educational system where mm -hmm. we're taking those those questions and and we're meeting those those challenges and but then we're challenging them even further, not not trying to shelter them. 
um, but almost kind of like inoculate them to these bad yeah. ideas. If they're going to be exposed to the bad ideas, um, just give them a small dose of it in a safe environment. And then by the time they see those those competing worldviews against Christianity, it's not as threatening. It's not as daunting. They can look back. Oh, yeah, I remember when my senior pastor taught on this one Sunday and um, it wasn't as big of a deal as this guy is making it. So now I can move forward in a in an educational um, stance and I can stand on my my biblical conviction without getting shaken up. So yeah. um, again, you know, I, I mentioned the uh, going through Q&A, hearing what people are, are going through. Um, I like the idea of sometimes, you know, pretending you are of the other opposing faith. You know, I've, I've uh, done, done some uh, kind of like, you know, experiment where I was pretending to be more like the atheist and I'm challenging their right. faith. And, and then they get to see, oh, I, I wasn't prepared for what this, you know, suppose atheist was going to say. <laughs> now, now I am challenged. And um, so you kind of like shake them up a little bit just to show mm-hmm. them that uh, getting prepared to have a stronger biblical conviction is is super important. And then you can walk them through what happened. Okay, you know, I challenged your faith and um, I said that there was uh, no evidence for the existence of God and and you didn't know how to respond, but but don't worry, you know, here's some really and then you powerful, show them, powerful yeah. uh, yeah. arguments for the existence of God, the moral argument, yeah. you know, the the evidence for the resurrection. So um, again, you're kind of exposing them to these these bad mm-hmm. ideas. And I've heard of um, some professors at at Biola where I'm studying right now, uh, Christian apologists who've been doing this for. 10, 15 years, working with high school students, working with college students. They'll even invite an atheist over. Some atheists would love to be able to share their ideas with mm-hmm. Christians because uh, there's a lot of uh, assumptions or misinterpretation about atheist views. And, yep. um, you know, I think we should have relationships with atheists or or people of other beliefs anyways. And um, so, you know, maybe that's extreme, but... You have a safe environment where if you're if you're prepared, you're you know kind of this atheist and what they're gonna say, you can debrief with your students afterward sure. and talk about it and and so they clear as day see what somebody else is believing and what they're headed for once they get out of your church. Yeah. No, that's really good. And listen, God's word is true. And so God's word will stand against every religion, every philosophy, every idea of this Amen. world. So we should never get defensive like, oh, if you if you know if you lay it out there, somebody's got listen, God's truth is truth and it's the greatest truth. And when properly understood and disseminated and practiced, it's it's the it's the greatest truth in all of the world. That's right. And so we should never be afraid to encounter with other people and other ideas and other religions. That's a missionary in me uh, yeah. speaking as well. So, Amen. so here's a, a big question that our generation has, and I think it's um, it's just something that's very real. Um, many people that are uh, younger, youth and young adults, have a great mistrust with church, just mm-hmm. the idea of church, the hierarchy of church. And, and we see it. There's been so many moral failures, so many, uh, you know, mishandling of money, uh, just the different issues that have happened that we, we are in a generation right now 
that even young adults that would say, I believe in God or even Jesus, have this nearly fear or, uh, you know, like hesitation to go to church mm -hmm. because they're like, hey, I don't want to be a part of a system that's this corrupt. And Right? Yeah. And yeah. so now I think that this is the question that we have, have to ask ourselves as pastors and leaders. How do we have a church? What are the qualities that we need that when somebody comes in from the outside, they go, hey, this is the place I want to belong. This is a place that I want to grow. And I think that it is so monumentally important for we as pastors and leaders, regardless of the size of your church, it could be small or it could be large. How, how, how do we have an environment that young people feel like, hey, this is the place that I can trust. This is the place that I can engage with. So mm -hmm. in, any maybe advice that you might give to a pastor or leader, a youth pastor, go, here's some things that I think that are, will help uh, young people make that bridge to be a part of the bride of Christ, yeah. the thing that Jesus loves more than anything in the universe is his mm -hmm. bride. How, how do we get them to engage? Yeah, well, one thing for sure is that this generation loves authentic people, mm -hmm. authenticity, and that's, I think, has been born out of them seeing so many failures in the church, people promising one thing, living another way, having these moral failures. And so it makes sense that they want authenticity. They want to know what's real. And um, I think there there's some nuance to that. I mean, how how transparent should you be to the younger generation? You know, I, I mean, you always want to be honest, of course, but Absolutely. we're not called to just, you know, be vulnerable about everything and lay it all on the line every day with every person, you know, but yeah. there are but, some... But you, you would agree with this, like, hey, the church has to show grace, so there's going to be moral failures, people are going to fall. But how we deal with that and how mm -hmm. we engage with that and how we help people to walk through that is yeah. is really is really important. Yeah. So we don't have, like, things happen over there that we just slide under the, the rug. We're, we're able to engage in a way that is going to build trust. Absolutely. I think what's made it so much harder for students to see is when somebody has a moral failure and then they just move on like it never happened because we know that that happens in the church. Yeah. So admit when you're wrong, you know, admit yeah. when you have made a mistake. I think people respect that and they they want to see that you struggle just like everyone everyone else does that yeah. that you're flawed and, and you have problems just like everyone else. So I think that's part of the authenticity yeah. is is being realistic about about that and um, saying, hey, I, I didn't uh, measure up the way that I wanted to. But um, I try to point it always back to Jesus and the mm -hmm. fact that we are imperfect. We are going to make mistakes. And I mean, it's almost inevitable but, you know, there are godly leaders who don't have these colossal moral failures. And so sure. you can look to them. You can look to the authentic, real deal Christians who've, who've lived it. Don't, don't just abandon the church just because one person failed or, or somebody who was close to you failed. Um, there's plenty of godly men and women who are willing to come along alongside people. But look back to Jesus, you know. Uh, yeah. um, Actually, as I go on to college campuses and I ask students uh, what they think about Christianity, 
majority of them say the same thing. I like who Jesus was, or, or I think, you know, he was an okay guy, but I don't like Christians so much. Or or I just don't think that they follow Christian mm-hmm. uh, teachings as well as they yeah. think they do. They, they're hypocrites. And so I give them the same answer. I agree. I think a lot of Christians have failed. I think they messed up. Um, but who was Jesus? What did he teach? What what did he promise? That's right. And look at Peter. When when Peter took out the sword and cut off somebody's ear, Jesus picked up the ear and put it back on. Clearly, Peter wasn't acting in line with Jesus's teachings right then in that moment. And and so Jesus corrected that mistake and and made sense of it, brought healing. I think we can look to Jesus in the same way. There's teachers and leaders who uh, don't always measure up and and they fall. But what did Jesus say in that moment and in, in this mm-hmm. context and in, in that situation? Who was Jesus and what did he really teach? Because that's at the heart of it. That's the core. And Amen. where are you going to go anyways? You, so yeah. somebody failed you in the church, you're going to go to some new age practice and per, and mm-hmm. pretend that they're perfect or yeah. that, uh, you know, Islam's perfect. Everybody has their failures and, um, and are shortchanging, you know, so it's, it's, it's going to be the, the same case wherever you go. Yeah. It's about the, the author and the founder of our faith. And is he strong enough to rest our faith on? Well, and, and if the word of God is alive in the hearts of the people and you're relational, yeah. and I know that this is something you really believe in and that and making those personal connections. So it's like Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Mm-hmm. So as they get to see the authenticity, they see you up close. Hey, the warts, the good, the bad, the ugly, because nobody in Christianity, and I don't even think that the world expects, we're not perfect people. We have our failures, but how we navigate through those failures yeah. in a way that we do, it's not like, hey, family and friends get one kind of treatment. Uh, oh, but then the, you know, the gay couple that walks into church on a Sunday morning, they get another type of behavior. Hey, I listen, this is what we did at our church. I don't care who they are that walk yeah. through that door. We love them. Now, we're not going to have everybody be a teacher. We're not going to have everybody on the stage. But everybody that walks through those doors, I don't care what color, what background, what ethnicity, uh, what their moral behaviors are, Jesus loves humanity. And when you have a church that embraces that, and we're not afraid to have the conversation, and we're not afraid to talk to people and confront it, I think that then you you it's an atmosphere that they'll pick up on, and they'll go, you know what, this is a life-giving place that I want to be a part of. That's how you make disciples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you love yep. on them. I say love on them like crazy. It doesn't matter where they come from or what their their background is, because um, that's that's what Jesus would do. And and of course that that doesn't mean we we compromise on certain biblical truths that we stand for. But you can still love people mm-hmm. powerfully and in a in a real world example kind of way where people want to be a part of that. Um, so I, I think a relationship with a younger generation uh, cannot be underestimated. I think it's one of the Absolutely. most important things that you can have because um, growing up, you know, I had this awesome youth pastor. Don't really remember his sermons at all. But I remember <laughs> when he would take me to lunch. I remember when, you know, he would take me to that concert and we would talk about music. <laughs> and then we would talk about God too. And it's the same thing for, for students right now, especially students right now when they're starving for real connection. All they have is their screens and they're used to trying to connect on their screens. But 
of course they're starving for real relationship. That's how God created us. And uh, I read a study that uh, on Barna recently that majority of students uh, with the leaders that they have around them, they're, they want to please their leaders. They want Praise to, to um, be accepted by their leaders and taught by them. So I think uh, raising disciples up in a mentorship, a spiritual mentorship relationship where, um, you know, whether it's you're the pastor, you're the missions leader, or or you're uh, speaking with the uh, youth leader to for better ways to connect with their students, you know, take, take your students out to lunch, text them, ask how they're doing, pray for them, say, hey, mm-hmm. do you want to get some coffee with me? Oh, I'm I heard that you like this movie. Let me go to this movie with you. And um, because I don't think that they're actually going to pick up on the truth and the the biblical convictions that we have unless they trust us. And trust always comes out of a relationship. So the two go hand in hand, right? Uh, Relationship and truth. And and then building that trust with them is when they're going to start to believe the truth. <laughs> wow. Trust and then truth. <laughs> Man, Evan, it has been so good having you. These are good words. And we're going to follow this up with a week two. Awesome. We're going to come back and have another conversation. Before we get off here, I want to pray. I want to pray for our generation. Yeah. I want to pray for pastors and leaders. And uh, and we're going to close. And listen, if you've enjoyed this Man, subscribe, share it out with a friend. Maybe you know somebody that's dealing with some of these issues. Uh, get it on out there uh, because, church, we have, to, we have to engage with this generation. So, Lord, I pray yes, right Lord. now, God. Lord, first of all, for a generation that has turned away from God, and, Lord, here we are as the church, and we're, we're left, Lord, to fight this battle. And I pray, Lord, for great faith. God, I pray, Lord, for great boldness. Lord, I pray that we would unapologetically be able to confront this, this world with the truth of God's Word. And, Lord, um, maybe everyone won't turn, but, God, some will. And I pray today, God, that you would allow us as leaders to be able to lead our ministries and churches in such a way that's life-giving, this, this, yes. this producing disciples— that are going to be able to speak to the questions of a generation. And so, Lord, we pray today, God, for pastors and leaders that you would help them in developing a culture in their church. Lord, I pray, God, for individuals as we confront one at a time, Lord, confront and relationship a generation that's so desperate to hear of the power and the grace of God. We love you and we thank you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. We'll see you next week.